Amen. Children are dismissed back to Praise Factory. And as they go, we're going to look at Ephesians. If you turn there in your Bible to chapter 3, that's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 is where we're going to begin reading. And then we'll pray and we will turn to our time in the Word. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, Paul is summing up the work that he is, is, is doing in the first uh, three chapters of the book of Ephesians, laying out the believer's identity, who they are in Christ. He's, he's put tons of gems in this section, truths that you can build your spiritual life on, the truth of, of who Jesus is, who we are in him as individuals and who we are together. And then he sums up by saying this in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, as we come to hear your word, We ask and pray, Lord, this morning, as Paul prayed, that you would give us strength. And not just strength because we are weak and unable to do anything apart from you. That is true. We can do nothing without the strength that you give us. But, Lord, we ask that you would give us strength to comprehend and to see. We ask that we would be able to see What is the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of your love? And to know what it is, what it means to bring glory to you in the church. We can can say that we exist to bring you glory. We exist to make disciples. We exist to love. But Lord, we've we've spent a couple weeks putting some, some skin on that. Putting some some details to how this works and we pray that as we as we conclude as we gather our energy for one last look at our mission at this time of the year that that you would speak to us and encourage us father and that we would emerge as a church that is on fire to live out the mission that you've called us to. Lord, not in our way, but in your way. That we would live by your grace, for your glory and for our joy. 
And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we've traveled a lot of distance over the last six weeks as we've uh, spent some time uh, on the drawing board. Uh, I've learned a lot about juggling the drawing and, and, and preaching at the same time. Normally, when I'm using a, a whiteboard or a marker, there are opportunities to stop and to listen and to, and to talk with somebody and then to think, like, what am I going to do next? But, but when you're preaching, you're basically, this is a, a monologue, and maybe somebody's saying amen, or, but there's no break. It's just like, what line goes next? What goes here? What do I need to do? What word do I need to write? And i got to keep talking the whole time. And that's been, uh, that's been interesting. I've never quite had that experience. I also changed the way I've been doing my notes. They're not like full-size pages. They're these little sheets, which has been easier to handle. And I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it that way. Um, but I've appreciated your encouragement throughout this. Uh, it's, it's, been an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks. I want to focus today on the big, on the big picture. On, on everything. And so in order to do that, let's, let's start back at the beginning where we started a couple weeks ago. You'll remember, hopefully, that we began with an image or a discussion of lostness, that those who don't know Jesus are separated from God, right? That they are, that they are separated from Him. They don't have the life of God within them, that, that their minds are darkened. They are grappling with with shame, that the works that they are created to do are broken, and they're unable to do what God desires. They are, they are walking away from Him. They are in bondage, and they are, are blind. The book of Colossians says that they live in the domain of darkness. The good news of the gospel, though, the good news to one who is struggling and who is alienated from God and who, and who experiences this condition is what is written in Colossians 1.13, that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He does this by means of the cross, that, that Jesus goes to the cross taking our guilt and punishment upon himself, and by faith in him and in his work, we can receive the very righteousness of God and be made spiritually alive, right? So, so here is our, our, our redeemed person who has the life of God flowing within him. He is able to do the works which God requires, which God has laid out beforehand, as Ephesians says he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son you'll recall that these are two distinct places there's the the kingdom of god's son and that's where we are this is called in christ in the book of romans and this is in adam and in between the kingdom of god's son and the domain of darkness is this place that we have called no man's land this is contested ground the redeemed believer is not called to live up on the mountain having this uh, different experience separated from the world but instead the redeemed believer in the book of ephesians you'll remember is given armor the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, that they might go into no man's land, that they might leave the mountaintop and go down into the valley. Why are we called to leave the mountain 
and to go into the valley because that's where the people are. We are from there, and everyone that we know who is lost and needs Jesus lives there. And so we're called in our armor. You'll remember Ephesians chapter 6. You can read this for yourself. The armored believer gets on his knees and prays and then speaks the mysteries of the gospel that others might come to know Jesus. Conveniently, this is our mission statement, isn't it? It's right there on the front of your bulletin. We exist, what? To know Jesus Christ and to make him known. That's our task. That's why we exist. We are saved to serve. Galatians 6.10, as we have opportunity Let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. This right here is the story of the individual believer, right? This is the story of me and the story of you. God's story intersecting our story and their story. This is the the story of the gospel, okay? The believer is called to a mission. But, but this, just on the micro level, adding one, adding another, adding another, is not the full totality of what God reveals in the scriptures of God's desire for his church on mission. Okay, And so the Christian should ask this question. This is the universal thinking bubble for cartoons, right? Uh, The believer ought to ask, what is God's dream for the church? What is it when, when God conceived the church, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. By the way, those gates, uh, is that for me? No, that's for you. I'm not sick. Can I just give it right back to you? Yeah. Thanks. That was unplanned. Wasn't that great? Um, so the, the, what, is, what is God's dream for the church? Okay, uh, Think about the idea that, that, that the gospel is supposed to roll forward through endless generations. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul tells Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This idea of, of multiple generations of gospel transmission there. Paul calls the believer to more. More than just receiving the gospel and living in it, he's calling him onward to this mission. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers wear armor and they are on mission. And they they acknowledge and they embrace the idea that there is more. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Okay, we're involved in, in some kind of, of, of grand activity that has specific rules that, that guide it. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. This thing that we're involved in, it grows over time. 
It doesn't, it, what, 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 what we get involved in when we become part of God's family and God's plan, it's, it's scope and the depth of it and the complexity of it is going to increase over time, right? What does Jesus say about his kingdom? It's like a mustard seed dropped into the ground. And when it becomes fully grown, it is the largest of the trees in the field. Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Our now, right? I am, I am saved and I'm called to, to share. Our now is just a reflection of what God desires ultimately. We can see the church in its fullness and its glory in the scriptures. We see it in all its potential. And then we look at our own experience in, in this church and in other families that we might have been part of. And, and we say, you know, that's, that's limited. It's a reflection of it. It's, it's growing into that, hopefully, right? It's, it's just a, what we experience now has opportunity to, to grow and to become better at what it is, what it's doing to, to, to do more, to increase its size and its health. There is the church that, that God sees in the scriptures. I want to take a look at that for a moment. The church exists to display the glory of God. And it does that through, through some very specific ways. The church exists to, to display the glory of God in the gospel. It, it displays to the world what, what Christ has done on the cross. And it does it not just by shouting that truth, but by doing it in a way that when the world looks at it, it says, you know what, that's the way it's supposed to be. John 13, 35 says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so we broadcast the truth. We tell people the truth about this, but we do it in a very specific way, one that is consistent with John chapter 13, verse 35. The church then is built on a foundation, and the foundation is Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Ephesians, the outline of that book, speaks about the fact that, that we have an identity, that we are in Christ, right? The identity is who we are in Jesus. If you read through chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 of Ephesians, it talks about the fact that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that we're in Him. Our identity, knowing who we are, Involves knowing who we are individually, so it's knowing who I am. I'm going to use me, and you can say that that me is not me, it's you. So knowing who you are individually and knowing who we are together as the family of God. And we see that Ephesians chapter 1 going all the way to chapter 3, verse 21. We're seated in that identity as Christians. And then you'll remember last week we, we talked about how, how the body, when it's working together, connected to the head, the body is made to grow by God. And then we see the phrase that it builds itself up. Okay, so, so God makes the body grow, but the body builds itself up at the same time by carrying out the functions of the church. 
Okay? Let's put a roof on this thing right here. There we go. Okay, here's our little, the architecture is simple. All right? Um, I am not an architect. I am a, uh, am a failed cartoonist. Um, so, so what we have then are the functions of the church. Okay? Let's just, let's put two columns up there real quick. This is, this is what we are called to do as the church, and it flows from who we are. Being leads to doing. We are, we are sent with a mission. We become something, and then we do what we are. Does that make sense? Right? We become children of God. We become those who are in Christ, and then we do those things which Jesus did. We, we follow through on our identity. So, what is it that we're called to do? We began by saying everything is fueled with prayer. And then we talked about the fact that we are to respond to God in worship. This, by the way, is, is what I, uh, you're probably not going to be able to see this. Uh, I call this, uh, this is a relational function of the church. This is what it means to love God, to depend on him, and to, to respond to him with the, with the appropriate reaction. When he displays his work in our lives, we say, you are worthy of worship and praise and honor. And so we receive and then we offer back. That's, that's our relationship with God. In some sense, this is what it means to love God. Second, we're called to share the message. The Bible calls this evangelism. Right? We're called to speak. My column's a little crooked there. Uh, we're called to speak the truth of God's word and to tell those who are not part of his family what the message is. That they're, that they're called, that, that yes, you can respond to this, that God wants you, he desires you, that he has a great love for you that is not dependent on your earning it or your worthiness. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. That's evangelism. And then when we become part of his family, we move into discipleship proper, where we grow into his image. We're remade, refashioned, renewed. Evangelism and discipleship. Which comes first? This is a debate that some theologians have. Chicken or the egg, right? All of the disciples, and I would say us too, we begin our discipleship with our back towards Jesus. Right? Matthew was just sitting there and Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew said, okay. That's when it started. This is the redemptive mission of the church. We're called to be his ambassadors. We're called to, to, to reach out and to share. And then for those who respond to the message, we're called to equip them in what they need to live out their faith. Third, there is fellowship. and service. Let's see if I can do this. Can I leave enough space? Yes. Okay, very good. Um, fellowship and service. Within the church, we prefer one another, honor one another, love one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, all of these things. We, we live out the church. This is what we talked about last week. And then 
Not only do we do good to the household of faith, but we also do good to all. And so we reach out and we serve. Think about it. Jesus was incredibly generous. He fed 5,000 people one day, and he didn't say, hey, check everyone's ID as they come in. Are they, are they a Christian? You know, do they believe in me truly? He just fed them. He just fed them. He served. Didn't ask who they were. Just gave them food. This is a, another relational aspect of the church. This is our relationship to men and women created in God's image. This is loving man. And so what we can see here, look, you can, you can see the Great Commission is right here in the middle, right? To make disciples, to, to bring the message, and then to grow those who are given to us. There's also the Great Commandment to love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. We live this mission out in a variety of contexts, all right? You have several in your life. There is our life in the church. You want to find this in the scriptures? You can, you can see all of this laid out. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, to the end of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. We live this out in the context of our family, right? We see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And then we can also see it happen in our work. We have a section of Ephesians devoted to this, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. And then there's our, I wrote in my space, um, our personal walk. Just we as individuals, as we live, who are we? How do we, how do we live? This is the way that we display the glory of God in the church. This is the way that God is glorified in the church. When we, when we say these are the objectives, this is who we're to be, we're called to do these things, flowing out of our identity, who we are in Christ. This is the, the foundation. This is our being, and this is our doing. Here is where we do it, and the net, hopefully, end result is that people will see the glory of God. That they'll see it. We may look at who we are here. Right? We'll put our little red dot like you're at the mall. You are here. And we may say, wow, I don't quite know that we're there as a church. I believe that this is, this is God's dream for the church. That this is who the church would be, that all of this would be happening. And I don't think that, that we're called as a church to be perfect in that we do everything precise and exact and perfect all the time. We're called just to say, what's the next step on the road to getting there? How, how, do, we, how do we get there? This right here, this I have been saved and now I'm called to share. This is the, the micro view, I believe, of, of the Christian life. Me as an individual, you as an individual, what is, what is your, your life's work? And then over here, we have the, um, the, the macro view, the, the future of what every church should be. 
We're called to go from here to there. To say, that's our preferred future. We, we want to go from where we are to where God wants us to be. Now, you might say, I don't know, that just doesn't sound spiritual. Aren't we supposed to depend on God? Yes, there's the foundation. Remember that, the, that Christ is the head. This is in the book of Ephesians. The, the verse reference is escaping me at the moment. But, but the, the body grows as the head makes it grow as it builds itself up in love. And so as we live and abide in the vine, as we say, yes, Lord, to Jesus, and we act consistent with who we are, he makes the body grow so we display the glory of God. And so what we need to ask is we need to say, what's next? What do we, what do, we do next? How do we get there? My notes are failing me at the moment. What we need in order to move in the direction that God desires us to go is a vision. We need a vision. And I think we have one, in a sense, right there. This is, this is an accurate description, I believe, of the work of the church in Ephesians, in the New Testament. If there's something missing... You let me know. We'll talk about it. But how do we get there? We need a, a specific vision. We need a roadmap for ourselves. We need a plan that will, will get us down the road. And not a plan that, that turns us into something that, that man tells us that we ought to be or that, that clever church writing says, be this, but instead one that, that keeps us and, 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 and brings us to this place where we are still what God wants us to be. Does that make sense? Not just growth at any expense. Not just big, but faithful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says that, that what is required of stewards is that they be found faithful. And so what we need to do is we need to take uh, our vision and we need to we need to box it in we need to contain it we need to say that our that our desire to display these things that we need to move along the road to to there principled does that make sense that we need to we need to say how do we make sure that we don't lose sight of the of the plot now if if are you ready there jerry and just in case i have massive feedback i'm going to stand in front of the speaker i did not think this through actually i'm going to move this we did it. We avoided it. Okay, we're going we're gonna to box our vision in. All right? We're going to make sure that we understand our mission. Why? Why do we exist? We exist to know Jesus Christ and to make him known. We exist to live out the Great Commission and to make disciples and to love God and love man. That's our mission. What is it that we're called to do? We're called we're called. To do that. Why do we do it? What are our motives? Yes, this one. Juggling. Remember? I've learned. Maybe. I'm challenging myself because I got sticky tape all over stuff. What are our motives? What are our values? We value, I would say at this church, we value the truth of God's word. If God's word says, don't do this, then we are not going to do it. 
And we're going to do our best to, to maintain a community where, where we are open to hearing God's voice speaking from the scripture so that when someone says, hey, you know what, I think this or I think that, we'll say, is that biblical? Okay, let's do that. It's not biblical? Let's not do that. That's, that's one of our values. Another value ought to be that, that we prefer moving forward in the mission and not getting stuck. That we say, what is it, what is it, what has to happen next so that we can stay on mission? A gospel focus, not a self-absorbed focus. We also ought to say we value community and family. Every church is a business in some way. But the business of the church ought not to be business. The business of the church ought to be family. And so the business ought to serve the family. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. So what are our values? And we gather these. We're distinct from other churches, there may be 10,000 other churches in uh, the state of Maryland or, or on the East Coast, but what is it that we embody? What are our values? Because you know what? They're them and we're us. And so we need to figure out what our, what our motives and our values are and then check them biblically. But we're going to be motivated forward by that. Uh, I use the word map to identify our strategy. How are we going to do it? Because there's a way of getting out there and sharing, right? There's a way of doing that. Knocking on doors, sharing with our friends, drawing them into small groups or starting Bible studies. What is our specific strategy? Now, I'll say at the moment, I don't think we have a specific strategy. But we'll make sure that we've got one that's biblical. And then we'll make sure that we lay out some marks so that we know when we're successful. We'll talk about that in just a minute. That's how we box our mission and our vision in. Sorry, how we box our vision in. So it doesn't get crazy and out of control. Think about it this way. What does the church exist to do? Why does it do it? How does it do it? And how does it know when it's arrived? And then in the middle here, is the road forward, the map of what's urgent, of what we do next and what we, what we focus on. Imagine this as the window of your car, right? The, the, the next action for the driver of the car from car to car is not the same thing, right? Because yeah, as you know, uh, I saw this on the back of a truck once. It says uh, it was a, a big box truck. This was in New Jersey. This got to be 25 years ago. I just got old. Um, it, it said, if you see a bouncing ball, remember there's a kid behind it, right? You know, and that's been true. Whenever I see a ball roll out in the street, I always slow way down. Hopefully you do this too, right? Because some kid runs out in the street, no matter how many times we tell our kids, like, wait, it's not that important, right? They just run out there. So, so think about, you may, you may have a journey. You may be like, we are going to Florida, right? That's your, that's your destination, but the most important thing is to do what's right in front of you next, right? That's the, that's the vision. The vision says, what's the most important thing? How do we handle it correctly so that we can get there? And what is there? There is hopefully this. The church living the way that it's called to live. Think about what God told Moses to do and where God was taking Moses. Okay, now I teach a class in Africa, this integrated class that encapsulates the whole Bible. 
right? God created a good world and it fell apart. That right there is a summary of Genesis 1 and 2, and then Genesis 3 to the end of chapter 11. Good world, fell apart. God makes a promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, that, that I will bless the world through your seed. And then we see God build a nation, bring Messiah, and take that nation to the world. But God gives Moses a very specific set of instructions in the midst of that plan. God gives Abraham a family, and that family goes down into Egypt, and then down in Egypt, they are in bondage and slavery. God gives Moses a very simple plan. I believe this is what we would call a vision. God's got a plan of where this is going, but he only gives Moses the next step. I'm going to bring them up out of Egypt through you to a land flowing with milk and honey. To us, that might sound gross and kind of sticky, right? (laughs) But for them, they were hungry, they were oppressed, resources were scarce and limited, and they thought it is going to be wonderful. They were told, you're going to be able to sit underneath your vine and your fig tree, and you're going to live in a house that you didn't have to build. And they thought, that sounds wonderful. And they were motivated to go because God gave them a vision. And I believe we need to have a vision for our church as well. Okay, so Harvest was started in 1997, and it moved, I believe, to South Boulevard around the year 2000. That's where we came from recently. And uh, the church split in 2005, and then I was hired in 2007, and then we moved here in 2016, and now here we are in 2017. And we need to ask ourselves, this is, this is vision, who are we going to be by the end of 2018? And who will we be in 2020? And who will we be in 20 years, in 2037? I'll be 63 in 2037. Is that going to be the end of ministry life? Will that, will that, will that be we're passing the torch at that time? So, so, so think about it. What will I be able to look back and to say, God did this through us? Think about beyond ourselves. What will this church look like in in 2050 or 2100 should the Lord tarry? We need to plan for the future, right? Because if we want to wind up someplace, we want to make sure that that we have a path to, to get there. So think about the path forward like the show Dora the Explorer. Does anybody remember this? Okay, yeah, Dora always has this, this little rhyme that she, that she does when she lays out her path, right? So she's always going on a journey, right? If you don't know who Dora is, Dora uh, is this uh, little explorer gal, and she's got a friend. It's a map, right? And the map sings the map song. And then she's got a friend that is, has a backpack, or no, her friend is a backpack. It's a purple backpack, and he has a backpack song, right? And they always go on journeys together. But as she lays out her map... There's always stops along the road. Like, so, so let's just say we're trying to get to this 
I need to switch colors here. Uh, let's just say she's trying to get to this beautiful place where there's a waterfall, right? That's supposed to be a waterfall. And there's mountains there, and, and it's going to be wonderful, you know? And so she wants to get to this place, a land. Uh, there's a little forest up there. Uh, we'll put a happy little cloud. Um, and there it is. There's the sun. So, so she wants to get here, right? She, she makes some, some, some stops along the way. So there's a lake, and we'll put a gas station in there, right? You know, so that's, this, is, this is her journey. A gas station and a lake. Yeah, gas station, lake, get to the waterfall. That's how the show goes, right? And she always makes up this song, and that's, that's where she's going. And that's what a vision looks like. What are the next things that we have to do, okay? Short term. About a year out, three years out, five to 20 years out, where do we want to go as a church? I'll tell you, here's the big things on my list. These are my, the things that I've been focusing on. Finish the move. I think we are done. That dumpster out there represents the last of the stuff that we absolutely have to get rid of that we carried over here with us and some other construction projects. Doesn't the lobby look cool? Man, that was so much fun. Um, so... Finish the move. Second thing on the schedule is, is catch the vision. Catch the mission. We spent time here on the drawing board so that we could say, look, there are all of these elements that are essential, that absolutely have to happen. There are all these things that are, that are part of the work of the church, praying, worshiping God, sharing the gospel, being involved in growing in our faith, and then, and then caring for the church and serving the world. And, and we put this all out here on this board right? So that, so that I could share this with everyone. And if anybody thought like, man, that's crazy talk. We shouldn't be doing that. You'd hopefully have come to me and said, that's nuts, right? But, but we've put it all out there. So now hopefully we are, we are all as a church, as we've spent this time, we've all said, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we want to go. We want to, we want to be living this out. Third thing on my list is the big cultural holiday is coming. We call it Easter in the culture, right? Where, where people know that they're supposed to be in church on Easter to celebrate the resurrection. We made up this cool invite card so that you can invite people. You can say, hey, you should come to my church. You should come if you don't have a place to go on Easter. And so we're going to have invite cards for you next week so that we can bring people in and preach a gospel sermon. And hopefully then you'll be able to take them to lunch and say, what did you think? Or you'll be able to follow up with them at work and say, so have you considered? Have you put your faith in trust? Come and learn more. Let me study the Bible with you. We're going to try to, try to set it up so that you can share. Right? And then I don't know what really comes next. Maybe you do. Maybe you know what we should be working on the next 90 days. Maybe you know what the, the next big thing we ought to be focusing on is. If you want to write that on the connection card, communication card, before the offering plate comes around, do that. Write it down. The only thing I ask is that you put your name on there so that I can say, would you help? Would you help us make that happen? So we need to be focusing on what's coming next. And then we need to focus on, on, on our, our first major destination. And I think that destination is our strategy. 
What is it that, that we feel God is calling us to do as a church to reach the community around us? How do we, how do we reach out to the neighborhoods that are around us? Because we have a people that we're called to reach that are not like the people that other churches are called to reach. Because they're not right here in this place. What is, our, what is our strategy? And we're going to work on that. And I'm hoping that by the end of 2018, as a church, we're going to be like, yes, we know how we, we, we are going to reach this community. We know how we're going to share the gospel and training is going on. So that, so that on this journey, when we get three years out, you know what we're going to see? We're going to see lots and lots and lots of new disciples. New disciples who are like, teach me, feed me. That's not like a zombie horde right there. Because um, listen, what is the mark of a fully grown disciple? A pastor challenged me and said, said, write out a definition of what a fully grown disciple is. And so I made this long list of all these things that believers should be and do. And I sat down, I was having lunch with my friend, Larry. You know what he said to me? He said, Here's, this is the definition of a fully grown disciple. A fully grown disciple can make another disciple. That's the Great Commission, isn't it? Man, I'm like, I can get in my way. Do you feel ready at this moment if someone said, teach me to be a disciple? Could you do it? Let's get there. Let's figure that out. I want, I want us as a church, I want people to trip in here and to say, Teach me how to follow Jesus. We'll be like, we've got a plan for you. Right? And then we just, we help them. And then over here, you know what I want to see? This is, this is what I think. Churches. More and more churches. That, that we would go from duplication of ourselves to multiplication of churches. Because this is the truth. Every single church that you see in the New Testament, they're all gone. They're all gone. You can go to Ephesus and you might find a church in Ephesus, but they're not the churches that Jesus wrote to in the book of Revelation. Those churches are all gone. Our church will have a life cycle. All the churches in this town will eventually, and I'm talking maybe by 2100, Churches will have closed and new ones will have started. Think about the legacy that we benefit from. Paul wrote a letter to an extinct church. And we have that. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome. And we have that. Where? Where would I be in terms of my own personal understanding of the scriptures without the church of the Ephesians? Right? That letter was written. We have it. We have the legacy of that. We also have 2,016 years of gospel faithfulness as people have shared the message and shared the message and shared the message. Think about how far we are from Jerusalem where Jesus died. And somebody, a lot of somebodies, believed this and cared enough to get the message to us. What we need to focus on is the fact that at some point there is a possibility that, that we as individuals will cease to exist, right? I'm not trying to be grim and morbid. We were talking about it in Sunday school this morning, how we call it our mortality, 
right? Each and every one of us will die. In 100 years, none of us will be here, except maybe one of our very lucky newborns, right? Possibility. What legacy will we leave? Will we be able to say that there is a church in an unreached people group because God saw fit to move through us as we gave and as we sent our children or ourselves and we started that work? That that what we have going on here as a church was so pleasing to us that we decided we were going to start more churches like it. That we were going to try to export what we've got going on here that that more people might come to know Jesus. Listen, if everybody out in our communities decided to show up and to, to, to go to church on Easter Sunday, you know what would happen? Churches would be overwhelmed. They wouldn't have places to put all the people. So what we need is more sending capacity as a church and more seating capacity as a church. We need to start more so we can fit more. That's out here. Duplication and multiplication. Because where we're trying to go, I believe, is the kingdom of God. Where where we see gospel awakening going on. People talk about revival, right? Maybe revival will happen. I'm chewing up some of our our time. I know we're we're beyond. I'm going to close up. Before there's revival, something happens first. Awakening happens. Awakening happens in the church. The church needs to say, Jesus has called us to this mission. And we need to look out into the community and to say, yes, the situation in the United States and in the world is bad. And the world needs the gospel. And then we have to say, no one is going to bring the solution but us. The church is the hope of the world. Because God has so declared. What does 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 say? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And we have been given the message of reconciliation. As if God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. And so he says, we implore you be reconciled to God. That's who we are as the church. Called and sent as God's plan A. What is his backup plan? You search high and low for a folder in heaven that contains a document called Plan B, and you will not find it. Because the church is the hope of the world. So my hope as we finish up our time on the drawing board is this, that that you say, God has a vision. I forgot. God has a vision for his church. God wants us to go somewhere. He doesn't want just business as usual. He wants hearts transformed and set on fire for his work in the world. So my encouragement to you is to think deeply and to pray deeply and to say, 
This is where I think God has taken us. Catch the vision. And then as we step forward and act on those plans to be involved in it and to live out this ministry of the church by God's grace, for his glory and for our joy. Let's close in prayer. The ushers, oh no, the band is going to come. No. Yes. Okay. Still getting used to some changes. Father, thank you for your kindness and your grace. We pray your blessing on all that we do as a church. We pray that it would all find its root in who Jesus is to us as individuals and who we are together. Who we are corporately as your body. The church is the hope of the world. And so I pray, Father, that, that, that you would give us the strength and the grace to comprehend your love for us and your love for those who do not yet know you. And may we seek to bring you glory in the church in the way that you've called us to, Lord, by making disciples, by loving you, and by loving others. We pray your grace on all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.